listening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and thank you all for joining me this evening as we get into the Word. And this evening, we got an interesting message. In case you don't know, the Lord has given us His Word so that we can know, we can understand. It's for teaching, it's for reproof, it's for training, it's for equipping and admonishment, and even rebuke when necessary. But we, we need to receive insight from the Lord in order to first hold the Lord in the right perspective. That is vital to our, our life and our walk in Him. But then also, along with the teaching, the equipping, the training, It's for us to gain not just the wisdom, counsel, and knowledge, but also to gain understanding of who the Lord is and how we are to walk with Him, not to depart. And in this message, we are going to look at a number of different different things, different topics, so that we can gain that understanding. And with that, before we get into it, we're going to just bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the listeners that are here, that are gathered before you. You're our God, and we're your people. And we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we invite you into this place, wherever we're at today, wherever we're listening from, to hear your voice to receive your instruction, your wisdom, your knowledge, and to receive understanding from you. That your word be written on the tablet of our hearts, that we would be able to then move forward in the things that you have for us, becoming more conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus the Christ. We welcome you. We welcome your Holy Spirit into this place so that we can learn and grow, Lord to be led into all the truth. Your word is truth. And your Holy Spirit brings us into the truth. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you. And we bind the hand of the enemy in the name of Jesus. We command him to cast down every weapon that he has attempted to form against the listeners that they may be able to clearly hear every trap that he's laid, every distraction, we command him to throw those down and that they spring up early. We cast them down in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, considering it done, in the almighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, as we were discussing before the prayer, we're going to focus primarily on number 16. And some of you may, if, if you're familiar with Scripture, you'll say, well, that's, that's a harsh chapter. And it is. It is because the sons of Korah led a rebellion and were dealt with as a result. But for us, for our part, we have to understand and, and look at how did they get here? And, and not for, to look at them, the sons of Korah, so much is to examine ourselves. 
And yes, the sons of Korah were part of the priesthood. They were given a role and a place of significance, of importance. However, there were things that happened that caused them to desire more. And it wasn't right. So in order to understand where we are, how they got to that place, we have to back up in the book of Numbers. We're going to look at, let's begin in Numbers chapter 10. And we're going to focus on verses 11 through 13, which says, Now in the second year, in the second month, on the 20th of the month, the cloud was lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the sons of Israel set out on the, their journeys from the wilderness of Sinai. Then the clouds settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they moved out for the first time according to the commandment of the Lord through Moses. And I, you know, what the Lord was saying to me in this is there is a new beginning that is happening. You know, and I, I speak specifically about the United States. The Lord is doing a new thing, and it is time to move forward in that. And, and I know some are saying, oh, but the, de- the deliverance hasn't happened yet. It's not how I envisioned it. Well, the Lord always tells us things that we need before we even know that we have need of them. And, and I love how in this you see the Lord's heart. Because remember, this is a book of numbers. He, the Lord has brought them out of bondage, out of He's delivered them from Egypt and he's been teaching them, setting a standard and in that standard, teaching them how they are to function in the kingdom. What he purposed and he's been showing them all these things, but now he's saying it's time to move forward. We can't just stay here in the wilderness of Sinai. It's time to go forward into what the Lord has for his people. And it also applies to us. As I said, you see the love of the Lord here because he calls them in spite of all the things that happen. All the adversity, all the the worshiping in the golden calf and all these other things that happened during the the time in Exodus and and even the, the preparation, the making of the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle. He is calling them here sons of Israel. And it's important for us to remember, right? As the, as the New Testament scripture says, those that are led by the Spirit of God, they, or the Holy Spirit, they are the sons of God. So here they are at a time where they're clearly being led by the Lord. You know, and I think back even to the, the founding of this nation, the United States of America. And clearly at its founding, when there was much bondage, when there was much I mean, taxation without representation and the like. And finally, the, the Declaration of Independence is signed. And, but then began a clearly, uh, immediately there was a, a, a huge dependence on the Lord to bring about victory, to bring, bring about a deliverance for this nation. But then seemingly just as fast, we departed from following the Lord. And in so doing, it was only 85, approximately 85 years between 
the signing of the Declaration of Independence, and a civil war. That that only 85 years for that much division to happen within a nation. Which is sad, but this is, I'll say, a pattern that we're going to look at and see. But let's also learn and understand some things in this. So, as we were just saying, you see the heart of the Lord. He's calling the children of Israel his sons. And it's also the first time that they left the wilderness. The second year, and also with his love, you see his patience. He was teaching them. He was preparing them. He was allowing them time and opportunity to learn from him, learn his ways, and prepare everything that they needed to ready themselves to properly serve the Lord. And then, in the Lord's perfect timing, it was time to move forward. And and that begins to happen. But then just as fast, we get to chapter 11. And the people begin complaining. It says, uh, the first six verses, Now the people became, became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. The people therefore cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died out. So the name of that place was called Tabera, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. The rabble who were among them had greedy desires, and also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all except to or nothing at all to look at except this manna. Now twice in there, if we're going to get to the core issue, is they complained about hearing of the Lord. It said it in the beginning and at the and, and at verse 6. Them saying there is nothing to look at except for this manna. Well, in the Gospel of John chapter 6, Jesus said very plainly, I am the bread of life. He constantly refers to himself throughout chapter 6, John chapter 6, as being the bread or the manna that was sent from heaven, making that connection point. But we read here in verse 1 that the people complained of the adversity just in the hearing of the Lord and hearing about him and his ways. But then it also says they became greedy. Oh, wait, greed says this, or the Lord says this concerning greed. It is as idolatry. So they didn't want to hear about the Lord because they wanted to hear or serve their other gods. Whatever it was. And in this case, it talks about greed being meat. The greedy desires were just on me. It was something, anything other than the Lord. But there's there's two aspects that we need to understand here. One is about our desire for the Lord. He has to be our focus. He has to be our desire. 
in all things. But that, that will only happen if we truly love the Lord. So we have to ask ourselves, do we truly love the Lord? Are we not just okay with this provision? Do we enjoy, do we rejoice in what he, what he has provided for us? But the second is this. We have to hold the Lord in a right perspective. And, and the Lord first and foremost, but also the things that are happening. And not according to our perspective, but according to the Lord's perspective. Their statement of, we used to eat these things in Egypt. We used to eat free in Egypt. And list all these seemingly wonderful, tasty, delicious fruits and and fish and the like. Except we know that that's not the case. And and how how do we know? Well, it can't be both. It can't be that they weren't given straw to make bricks. When that was literally their job by those who enslaved them. And then they were shown such hospitality. How can it be? It cannot. So we then have to understand what the Lord is doing. Have a right perspective of what he's doing, what his provision is. But what does the Lord say concerning it? Because as soon as we shift our focus, it opens us up to the adversary. And this is, if you will, the third thing in this section of scripture that we need to understand. The Lord is more than capable to protect his people. Absolutely. But it talks about how those on the outskirts of the camp were, were burned with fire. So holding the Lord in a right perspective also means understanding what's happening. Because of the people's greed or idolatry, their desire to search after other things, where did they place themselves? Not as close as they could get to the Lord, but they placed themselves on the outside of the camp. I mean, you, you can look at, and not that this is the greatest example, but just in nature. The animals that find themselves trailing in the back or on the outskirts, the outside, are typically the ones that become prey and they're picked off. You can look at it in the education system. Typically, those individuals that choose students, that choose to be on as far away from the lesson, the teacher, all that, are not typically the, the A students, honor roll, dean's list, they don't typically graduate at the top of the class. Are there exceptions? Sure, absolutely. But it's not the norm. So for us in our lives, are we ones that are drawing close to the Lord? Front and center. Standing before him always. Or do we have something else in our lives that's pulling us back and away from the Lord? Something that we desire more than the Lord. Because as you see that, that cost them, 
as a result of doing that, they gave room or place or a foothold for the adversary. And yes, I understand that it it talks about the Lord's anger was kindled. But understand that the Lord is not the one that actually does it. The Lord says in the New Testament that he turns them over to their own lust, their own desires, the things that they worship, that they sought after, that they thought were going to save them or protect them. Because they, ultimately what happens is they detach from the Lord. They sever themselves. Well, we, for our part, must remain connected in line, in divine alignment, but under the covering, the shadow of the Lord's wings. He's our tall tower. And who, not just we run to, but that we should be remaining in and with the Lord. So, so that happens. And then the, there's assistance, right? 70 elders are sent. And, but then there's this part that we need to also address. Th- those were the people on the whole. But then we get to, well, and, and I'll say it in this way. The Lord did send me. But then you saw the greed of the people take front and center stage. That they gathered so much, which angered the Lord. Because they would rather have that instead of the Lord and his provision. What the Lord had already purposed to give. And as I said, it doesn't stop there. In chapter 12, now there's, there's murmuring or grumbling of Miriam and Aaron. And, and I find this incredibly fascinating because again, you see both greed and idolatry at work. You see jealousy, you see strife and contention at play. In chapter 11, we just read about the people murmuring and grumbling and complaining. They did not want to hear the voice of the Lord. But now we have, if you will, the complete opposite end. It's not just the regular people. It is those that the Lord had already given a place of leadership and authority. But just like Adam and woman, and I'd say woman more than Adam, they were not happy with their place. They desired, if you will, like in the natural stance, whether it's in the, in the church or the body of Christ, And by that, I also mean the local church. That people aren't happy with their role, their position that the Lord blessed them with and gave them and established them. Like we see in business, they chose to, oh, I want to, I've got to be ambitious and go chase the higher position instead of just allowing the Lord to establish them. So they tried to circumvent the Lord's servant. And then as a result, yes, the Lord forgave as a result of Moses' intercession. But now, understand this. In chapter 11, there were individuals that burned on the outskirts of the camp. 
But then Miriam now has to be outside of the camp. And the Lord was, yep, restoring her and purifying her and so that she could re-enter the camp. But understand that part. No longer is she just on the outskirts. She had completely, had been completely separated. Instead of just remaining in the rightful place. But then we have to ask ourselves, whether it's in business, whether it's in the church, whether it's in government, whatever the case may be. Are we in the place where the Lord has destined and determined for us at this time? Are we trusting the Lord that he'll establish us? That he will take us from, well, not unlike David as a shepherd boy. The place of being a shepherd and and clearly, I don't want to say despised, but looked down upon so much, even by his own family, that they didn't even think to call him in when the prophet of the Lord came to even be considered. Will we allow the Lord to establish us? And if it's for to be the king or president or prime minister of your nation, whatever it is, will we allow the Lord to do that? Or will we try to formulate our own plan and snatch it for ourselves? What are we doing? One day, If we're waiting on the Lord, but functioning in the place that he's given us to function, and recognizing that at the same time he's also training us up, that as, as we continue to follow the Lord in that place, that he is preparing us, but also equipping us and making the connections and giving us that we're also receiving everything we need for the next place and the next position and all the way to however the Lord wants to lead on the destiny track he has for your life. Are we doing that? So do we trust the Lord? And yes, Miriam was restored. But then let's let's look at what happens in the very next chapter, chapter 13 of Numbers. The spies are sent out. And the Lord had already said what the Lord said about where he was bringing them and why and how much good he wanted to pour out on them. But they refused to hear his word. They refused to stand on their on the Lord's word. They instead focused on what their eyes saw and what their ears heard. And they chose to believe that. But not just believe it. Not just believe it. In chapter 14, a rebellion occurs. And even to, to the point that in, chapter, in verse 3 of chapter 14, they question the Lord. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? And then they say that our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So not understanding what the Lord was doing and the process he was bringing them through to establish them. And when the Lord adds two, he adds, he brings adds no sorrow with it. And behold, be complete, lacking nothing. 
But do we trust the Lord? Will we stand on his word for our lives? Or are we doing now what the children of Israel did when they rebelled in chapter 14? And and I'll tell you, I have heard similar things, even in this nation. Whether it's concerning the national debt and saying, oh, our, our children are going to be prey. They're going to be bound by this thing. And our children are our children's children. That essentially the, the next generation is already, they, people are saying that they have already written them off. You're hearing that with the housing market, you know, with all these different financial things. But then at the same time, instructing them and the, and the next generation can't understand what's happening. Like we follow the instructions you guys have given us. They got the degree. They got, they, they got advanced degrees. All these things that they were told they needed. But the part that was left out was a relationship with the Lord. And they did not hold the Lord in the right perspective. And as as a result of not holding the Lord in a right perspective, they did not understand what was happening. They did not receive from the Lord the instruction, the wisdom, the guidance to then apply it to their life, the revelation even, to what was happening and why. So they would be equipped, ready, and able, willing to apply it to their life to, again, bring about the change that was required. And in verses 20 through 24, it says this, the Lord hears everything. He deals with it, but he also, he pardons, he both pardons and rebukes. And says, so the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word. This is as Moses again intercedes. And I think this is a marvelous thing concerning Moses. Moses interceded for everyone every time in all these scriptures that we were reading about. He never stopped interceding for the people. But then he continues and says, The Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word, but indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness yet have Put me to the test these ten times, and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurned me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. So we need to understand that. It's not just about entering into that covenant relationship with the Lord. It's about remaining with him. Following the Lord fully. The Lord made it very plain that the sons of Israel had tested him ten times. The exact same number as the amount of plagues that he brought about for their deliverance. 
And even in spite of everything that happened, they refused to trust the Lord. They refused to, as he said about Caleb, follow him fully. And Jesus talks about this in, again, in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 and 15, uh, but especially 15. It's not that they would bear much fruit that the Father be glorified, but that the fruit would remain. Stick with, not separating themselves from the true vine, but remaining with the Lord. And then there's this important thing as well, and i got to read verses 28 through 38. So as a result of that, um, everything that we were just reading says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Your corpses will fall in the wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to your complete number from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land which I swore to settle you except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherd for forty years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness, according to the number of days which you spied out the land, forty days. For every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even forty years, and you will know my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all the evil congregation who are gathered against me. In this wilderness they shall be destroyed, and they there they will die. As for the men whom Moses sent to spy the land and who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing out a bad report concerning the land, even those men who brought out the very bad report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive out of those men who went to spy out the land. You know, we oftentimes, again, we must view the Lord in the right perspective. It's easy to to have a wrong perspective of what just happened here. And it says this. This is something that the Lord addresses in Ezekiel. 18.25, right? Individuals say the way of the Lord isn't fair, it isn't just. But the Lord always addresses that. He said, I will judge each of you according to your ways. But as we've been talking here in some of these previous episodes, let's understand our role and our place. The things that we do that are in opposition to the Lord do sow seeds that have to be dealt with if we don't deal with them by the next generation. Instead of us giving them the very best, which is God's best, are we, have we sown seeds that they must deal with, that they must uproot and replace with truth? 
and their lives and their ministry and their homes and their work and their, what are we sowing into their lives? But I, I love this about the Lord. Not just that his ways are just, they are righteous. But the very words that were pronounced over the future generations, that they would become prey, the Lord says, no, 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 I'm going to reverse that. I'm going to bring them in. Even though you, talking about the, that generation, rejected the land. They rejected the Lord, and in so doing, rejected the land that the Lord had purposed to bring them into. You know, and there was a word of the Lord that he had spoken years ago. And in there he said, you know, he told me very plainly, that the next generation was sure. That they were not exactly ready, but they were sure. He was preparing them. They would be ready. I believe they are coming to that place of readiness now. And it's not readiness to go necessarily be warriors, although they will absolutely be warriors and they will wage great warfare, spiritual warfare for the Lord. But they were ready to serve the Lord fully. They would do great exploits for the Lord. Just like he is saying here, that they were sure they would do, and by do, I mean they would follow the Lord fully. And it's important for us to remember that. Because that is exactly what's required of us. To follow the Lord fully. And when we do that, we will view what is happening. What our natural eyes and ears see and hear. Correctly. Because it's not our view. We will be looking at it through the Lord's view. What he sees and what he hears. And then we will also be hearing his commands as to what he says to say and do concerning the situation. So we're going to pause there for today. And I know... We did not get to number 16, so we're going to pick this up in the next episode. We had to lay a foundation and some groundwork for this. So thank you for uh, for being with me on this episode and for pressing through. I trust the Lord that he's ministering to you and will continue to do so. And if you have any questions on any of this, you can always contact us through the website at dayofprayer.org and, and or just email me directly at Matters of life at a day of prayer.org. Thank you again for joining us or for me, joining me in this episode. And I'd just like to encourage you to continue to stand for righteousness and for justice. I love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful evening. <laughs>